Hello, everyone, and welcome. I don't even know what episode it is, you guys, but it doesn't matter because it's International <laughs> Women's Day. I'm your host, Bree at Breezy Clee, and I am joined by Brittany at Bird's Eye View. Hi, Britt. Hello, ladies. And, and Meredith at MCAN's first. I can see both of them today. Hello. Hi, Mayor. Yeah, we're, we're on Zoom for the first time in a long time. We are. First time, long time. And guys, we just got done recording an interview with Callie Brownson. You may know her, Chief of Staff, Cleveland Browns. No big deal. We are still recovering from that moment. So <laughs> just bear with us for a moment because she's pretty incredible. And we feel so lucky to have talked to her on International Women's Day, specifically knowing how many glass ceilings she's shattering uh, in her career, her very young career, by the way. She's going to be going places. Like she's going to be a head coach somewhere in the NFL. Like mark my words. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no question. Like it was, it was apparent in like the first question we asked her, I was like, whoa, yes. like no wonder they hired, like no wonder Stefanski hired her and she has the position that she has and that she got all these opportunities this past year because she's good. I legitimately think if I was a position coach and Callie walked in the room, I would look at her and say, that woman is gonna take my job someday. Yes. Like that would be the first thought that goes through my head. And yes. I can't wait. I cannot yes. wait to see her be a head coach somewhere. Yeah. Although, you know what? I, I, I don't know if I want that because then that means she's not here. Right. I well, I was just thinking, what if, what if, you know, we have Kevin Stefanski as the head coach of the Browns and then Kelly takes over for him. And then next thing you know, we've got head Cleveland Browns head coach, Kelly Brownson. Oh, dreamy. Right. What a dream. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When you start building a winning franchise and a consistent winning franchise, one that is competent, that is consistent, you have to start worrying about those things, about losing your talent. Like, it's not even just about players anymore. It's about the coaching staff. Like, this is a legitimate fear that we should all have as Browns fans, that we are going to lose really talented coaches because the Browns are hopefully well on their way to becoming a consistent winning franchise. I know we always scream and pound the table to pay Nick Chubb to keep him here, but I'm like, I pay Callie. Although for her, I don't, for her, it was clearly not, you know, a salary thing for her. It was an opportunity thing. You could absolutely tell that. So, you know, she's going to go where she can make the biggest difference. Yes. Also, can we just quickly touch on the fact that both the Browns and the Cavs have women coaches, yes. which yeah. is just yeah. I love those teams so much. I noticed I said those teams so much. <laughs> yeah. Because they value what women bring to the table. They're not afraid to put them in positions of power. Yep. They they understand the contributions they're capable of. And I am so proud of both of those teams specifically for, for doing this. Because it really, like, it just, it brings a smile to my face knowing that they take women seriously. Yeah, I totally agree. And when we were putting together our questions for Callie and doing research about her, she's one of eight female coaches in the NFL, like only eight. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, the NFL has come a long way, but man, do they have a much longer way to go? I mean, like when you think about it in, in that regards, because how many coaches are, are on a team at any given time? I mean, there's a ton. Yeah. Well, one thing that I would hope with the NFL is I feel like change just starts slowly and then I yeah. feel like it gets quicker 
Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'll use, like, let's use the makeup industry. Like, I know that this is probably going to fall on some deaf ears for some of the people that listen to us, but for the longest time, the makeup industry only had like a certain amount of shades for yes. foundation. And mm-hmm. then Rihanna makes a makeup line with 40 different shades of foundation. And next thing you know, every single makeup company has followed suit. Yeah. Because of like how inclusive it is. And I feel like that's kind of how the NFL is going to go. Like, yes, right now we only have eight women who are coaches in the NFL. But I think as people like Callie and Jennifer King keep making their mark and doing really positive things, other teams are going to open up and say, hey, we need to expand our search. We need to bring in more people like Callie. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to, it's probably, it's, it's slow now, but it's also like in its infancy, but I have faith that at some point we are going to see an explosion in, in the NFL of, of women coming up and holding powerful positions and coaching positions. Yeah. So we hope you guys enjoy that interview with her. We hope that we get to chat with her again um, sometime soon. It was pretty incredible. And we thank the Browns um, and their staff for getting Callie for us. Um, She was, she was our first ask. Um, You know, we obviously would love to have players on the show, um, but having Callie was like number one request for us. Um, so that was, that was pretty great. So thank you for, for making that happen for us. Um, all right, we're going to get into some Brown's news. Um, as we embark on free agency here, Brittany is cranking out some new articles for her new gig. We're going to talk to her about those for a little bit. Um, Baker and Emily Mayfield last week saw a UFO. So we have to talk about that. Um, and then there's a, a, a little bit of Indians news. We have to touch on if you notice, Brittany did not mention them as a team, uh, that really cares about women in any sense. So we will touch on that a bit as well. Yeah, we missed a lot last <laughs> week, didn't we? Yeah. We sure did, but we were gearing up for this big moment, yes. this monumental podcast. So forgive yes. us. Um, all right, so moving on to the Browns news. So free agency is a week away and Browns Twitter, never a dull moment, you guys. Um, recent reports <laughs> on the Twitter space is that Hollywood Higgins may not come back, um, which sparked another war amongst fans on Twitter. The wide receiver room remains one of the most talked about positional groups as we head into this year amongst Jarvis Landry, OBJ, and Hollywood Higgins. So with Hollywood Higgins, obviously uh, he's a free agent. He had a really solid year this past year. He could probably stand to make a good amount of money uh, with another team. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like the Browns may have had a conversation with him. There may be an offer on the table. It's unlikely at this point what direction either party is going to go. I wanted to get your guys' take here because we've talked about Jarvis Landry before. We know that there's a clear divide in Brown's Twitter on should we keep Jarvis? Should we not keep Jarvis? Costs a lot of money. Same thing with OBJ. OBJ is coming off of an injury. Costs a lot of money. He's with the team for for another year at least. Um, But with Hollywood, obviously, the Browns have the opportunity to sign him. Brittany, what is your stance on Hollywood and that receiving room? I 100% believe that they should sign him if they can. Again, one of the things I think we benefit from is having a very smart general manager now and Andrew Barry. And, you know, I, I know he hasn't been here very long, but I trust that he'll do the right thing. Um, And in this case, I think doing the right thing means making sure that Hollywood has a place on this roster. I think, you know, I see a lot of people saying, well, you know, chemistry and culture and blah, 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 and all this stuff, it doesn't matter. It's just buzzwords and all, but they are very real things. Um, 
even just as human beings, like this talking about chemistry or culture, like these aren't just buzzwords that you throw into the, the universe and say, oh, it has meaning. No, it really does on a football field. So when you see, you go back to like Baker's 2018 season, his rookie season, and the person that he clearly felt most comfortable with was Rashad Higgins. Like, I think that's pretty, you can't even argue that. Um, so I don't think it's in their best interest to take away the receiver that your quarterback seems in historically, whether historically and even probably now, you can't take away the receiver that your quarterback feels the most comfortable with. I don't think that's a smart business decision. Um, I believe that they'll find a way to, to, to bring him back and then make that um, a real thing. But, you know, who's to say? And if they don't, I will gladly eat my words. If all of this proves to be false and, you know, they get rid of him and he flourished somewhere else and the Browns are just fine. Cool. Great. That'd be a happy-ish ending. Um, but in my opinion, I think the best thing they could do is make sure that, that he gets paid and he's on the roster, you know, come the home opener. Meredith, what's your take? Um, I, I think that Hollywood will be worth the money that he asks for, obviously he is due for payday. Um, and if the Browns can make it work, I think they need to. Uh, I think he's worth it for the same reason that Brittany was saying. Um, like, I hate it when people say that chemistry is a buzzword. Like, let's look at the three of us. Like if we didn't have chemistry, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. Like yes. chemistry is important. It's so important. Um, you know, and Richard has been with the Browns through bad times and good times. So he really understands how significant the culture change in Berea has been. Yeah. Um, so I think he's worth the money. I have heard a few mock drafts that have had a wide receiver going to the Browns at 26. And if you look at that from a, like from a fiscal standpoint, if you do let Hollywood go and then you draft a wide receiver to replace him, that saves some money because you're not going to be paying a draft pick anywhere near as much as Hollywood is. So if they need to make room to pay, say Baker Mayfield, if they need to make room to pay Nick Chubb, if they need to make room to pay Jarvis, anyone else who is due a payday, Denzel Ward is coming up on a payday too. Like if they need to find a way to make room, especially with a lowered cap this year, then I could understand the decision to let Hollywood Higgins go. However, I, I think he's worth keeping. Here's where I'm at with it. This may make me unpopular. Uh-oh. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I am preparing myself for Hollywood to not be a Brown next year. And not because the Browns don't want him or because I don't want him on the team. I would love to have him stay a Cleveland Brown. But I think he proved what his worth was. And I think he's going to be very valuable to another team. And I think another team will pay him what his worth is. Um, and unfortunately for us, that could mean that he isn't wearing a uniform next year. I just think him and Jarvis are maybe a little bit of the same in what they bring to the team. Um, I think Hollywood maybe stepped into a stretch the field role last year with OBJ's absence. But I think with OBJ coming back and Jarvis being on the team and um, a guy that I actually think is really good with Kaderil Hodge. I just, mm -hmm. that room, there's a lot 
of money being spent, a lot of talent. I just can't imagine them paying a ton more money there. And I was actually going to say, this is a place where I could actually see them drafting um, an offensive weapon in the draft. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a place where we start targeting um, our picks. I just, yeah. I think our, our need is defense. Um, and we're going to talk about this, but I think they're going to try to target free agency to fill some holes on the defensive side, because that's where we're really young um, on that side of the ball. I think one of the things that, and you know, call me like sentimental or whatever, but with people <laughs> like Higgins or I later know. we'll get into Najoku, I feel because these guys have been around for some of the darkest times, yep. you just want to like cling to them and be like, no, like brighter days are coming. And I can't wait for you to experience that in this city that for so long has been so hopeless. This franchise that has been at times historically terrible and they've been around for the worst of it. And that's why it makes it so hard to let go of these two players specifically yep. should that happen because you know, you just want them to have their happy ending too. And you see it like disappear and you're like, oh, yeah, like they like that. They were a part of the team that helped lead to what the Browns are today. Yeah. So they deserve mm -hmm. to reap some of the riches. Right. And it's know? not because like, you know, they're bad players. Like nobody would say that Higgins isn't worth money. Nobody. Well, some people would say Njoku is not, but you know, screw those people. I'll get into that <laughs> later. <laughs> But, you know, it's not because they're bad players. It's just sometimes things don't work out. You have to go cheaper in some areas and, you know, cut some areas and spend more in others to improve things. And that's just the way the game works out. But it's still sad. Like, I, I would love to see them both stick around and for them to finally, you know, win. That would be wonderful. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was he... like, yeah, I was about to say when it was like when Joel Batonio was out uh, against the – Steelers in the wild card game because I th I think he was out for um for COVID that week and I wanted the well, obviously I wanted the Browns to win but I wanted them to win for him because oh that meant that he would get to play in a playoff game and that's what yeah. happened like they won they went on to play Kansas City and Joel Petonio finally got his opportunity to play on the postseason with the Browns but that's kind of how I feel about it too like you know Joel Petonio is another one of those who has just like they have like when you say for richer or poorer, like he was there for the poorest and mm -hmm. you know, those guys deserve to see some of the reward of their hard work. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I say like, it's one of the reasons why I say that I think Hollywood Higgins is worth it, but I like, I I'm also with Bree where I'm kind of trying to emotionally prepare myself for the possibility that he may not accept what the Browns would offer him, or he might get an offer somewhere else that he wants to go. So it's sure. just, that's that's one of those really really tough positions where they're definitely worth it and worth being there but there are other people that you have to think about paying also mm -hmm. yes i agree i don't you know i don't want that to happen obviously um but i think we've talked about this before on our on our podcast we just like to prepare our listeners for all the different scenarios right so just we did this when the coaching search was happening last January, like giving you information to help you get comfortable with what could be coming down the road. So I think it's just important to prepare yourself for like, this team may look very different next year. Like sure. The core is going to be there, but some of these, you know, like 
these guys that have been there for a long time through the bad times and on the team this past year when things were going well, like it just may look very different. It's going to be tough, I think, as we go into this season. So moving on to free agency, um, Brittany, I want you to talk a little bit about your new gig with Heavy. Um, you've been writing some really great articles. Um, you have two out there currently about J.J. Watt after his signing with the Cardinals and then most recently the tight end room. So I want to talk about both of them. If you could touch on what you're doing with them and where everyone can find your articles and then let's get into the J.J. Watt one because we didn't have a show to talk about this. We didn't know, but again, we were, we were preparing for like the most important thing ever. So. Monumental. <laughs> Cut us some slack here. Of our career. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I recently joined heavy as a Browns contributor. Um, something that I do, you know, on evenings and weekends and anytime I have some free time. So it's been really great so far. Um, last week I did an article. It was right after JJ Watts signed. So, you know, the Browns were out of the running. It's time to look ahead. So what I did was, you know, put together a little list of uh, other options that they might have. You know, other people who could become free agents or who are expected to become free agents, you know, when it starts in March 17th. Um, so, you know, there were a lot of, the more I looked at it, the more I was like, you know, I'm actually really glad that this whole thing didn't work out because you could you could find other defensive ends that are younger um, that cost less money. So the Browns don't have to overpay them are, you know, obviously JJ Watt is a supreme talent, but these guys aren't, you know, something to scoff at either. So uh, some of my favorites that I listed on here, number one, I put Bud Dupree from the Steelers. Um, you know, last year he had an ACL injury that ended his season um, but he is only 27 years old. Okay. Um, he, the market value for him currently is uh, four years, 72.8 million, which equals around 18 million a year, which is expensive. I don't know if they'd be willing to, to pay that much, but again, he's, he's young, he's good. Um, but that was probably the favorite. Uh, there's uh, Clowney who declined to join the Browns last year, which he's still like, he never really offered any kind of explanation for it, which was pretty bizarre because if I remember correctly, the Browns did offer him the most money last year to sign with them. And he said, no, which yeah, is something think, that you don't normally see. Yeah. I think the Browns offer was, I've heard it was 17 million. And I think okay. he's, I think he took 15 for the Ravens mm -hmm. for the Titans. Yeah. Oh, Titans. Sorry. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking, uh, who was it? Yannick Ngakwe, I think, went to the Ravens, right? Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't no, know. But, I, there, was, there was a defensive oh, player yeah, that yeah, I yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, he was right. in your was, article, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah. trying to pick because I was like, there was a defensive player that I was absolutely in love with last offseason, yes. and they went yes. to the Ravens, and I cried. Oh, was, but don't worry. Don't worry, because he's also on this list. Yay! And he's another favorite. You know what's funny about making this is that uh, you had Dupree, uh, Ngakwe, and Lawson, like, all in this. And I was like, hmm. You know, the AFC North is really, really talented in this position, and I can't wait to see how this all shakes out because I would love to have any one of them playing against their old team. I feel like that just adds something special to all the rivalries, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you have Carl Lawson, Melvin Ingram. Um, you, know, you mentioned 
Baltimore. Um, and then the other ones, Trey Hendrickson, which I read today on Cleveland.com that he might be like a potential one that the Browns are heavily targeting. Um, uh, well, those are the only notable ones. I listed some more, but yeah. So like it was just a, a breakdown of their market values, how much they would cost, uh, what they did last season. So if you're interested in reading about it, I shared it. I think it's pinned to my, my Twitter right now, but um, so the moral of the story is the Cleveland Browns are in a good spot. Just because they missed out on J.J. Watt does not mean it was the end of the world. And I think my favorite part about writing that was the line that I got to say, we did not need this guy to succeed. Like, imagine being in such a spot where a talent like J.J. Watt will not make or break your season. Like, you're still in a very good spot. And the Browns are, which, I mean, guys... Yeah. And it was was so funny because I took such an about face on uh, JJ Watt. And I think that was pretty evident in our group text because when we were talking about him a few weeks ago, I was all for him. I was like, let's do it. Let's get JJ Watt. I love him. He's going to be so great to this team. It's a win now move, blah, blah, blah. And then after a while, I was just like, God, just sign with somebody. I don't even care if it's the Browns. I got so, because like, the with the random tweets and then i think the peloton um bio broke me like that was the point where like but that the, wasn't even him i know like it just i think i just got so sick of talking yes about him and then having to analyze the tweets and you know and then he made the announcement himself on twitter and just the amount of relief that i felt i was like oh thank god yeah. because i was just so I was so sick of it right. to the point where I was like, I don't, I, I don't even want him anymore. I was, I was pretty high on Yannick Ngakwe last season. I know Mary Kay Cabot was very, very high on, on Ngakwe as well. So if he's available and if she's leading the charge for him, I am hopping on her bandwagon. Like I'm all in for Yannick Ngakwe now. Yes. I mean, he's definitely one of my favorites. Like my three favorites are all from the AFC North. Mm-hmm. So let's yeah. do that. Let's make one of those happen. Cause that would just make me happier. yeah I think it goes to show you though how much talent there is though Mm -hmm. in in the AFC North both I think on the offensive side of the ball take the Steelers out of that (laughs) 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 Um, but I think the thing about JJ Watt for me and maybe this goes for some of our other listeners it was the idea of him I don't yeah. think it was actually him. Sure. We just mm-hmm. wanted to be chosen. And yeah. Perhaps, and you know, then, <laughs> yeah. Right. That's exactly it. Yeah. But because I think for him though, like he wanted to be courted, you know, just as much, you know, like, I'm, I'm like, imagine like, it's so fun to be like the person that everybody's talking yeah. about. Everybody's lusting after. I mean, I totally get his side of things. Um, mm-hmm. But let's be real, JJ. Like you didn't really want a Super Bowl contender. Like you didn't really care about the quarterback. Like no. it was the money and it was the weather. And let's be I think real. That was it. I think that was 100% it. Yeah. Because I look at the other, the other contenders and I'm like, okay, this team's better. This team's better. This team's better. It, I mean, at this point, it just had to be, he wanted to live in Arizona. Yeah. And that's fine. Like I'm not knocking him. I'm sure Arizona's a, a wonderful place. But like, just be upfront about it, dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I was what happened with Jadavion last year. Like, I don't think it's that he didn't want to play for the Browns. I think he wanted his way of living to be living in Tennessee and the South and not in sure. Cleveland. And I know we all take offense to that, but like, <laughs> I mean, I get it. If you have if you have a choice of where you're going to live, you may not think about Cleveland, Ohio. I was I was really relieved to when I learned that the Browns did not offer the most money. Um, out of everyone, because I think if we had another situation like Davian Clowney, where the Browns were the the highest 
offer on the table and they turned it down, I think I probably would have taken that a little bit personally, but mm-hmm. uh, they weren't. They they had the money that they were willing to offer and JJ didn't want it. So I definitely think that money was a part of it. Although someone made a really good point and I forget who it was, um, but everyone's making fun of the Cardinals. Like, oh, they're not a Super Bowl team. They're not a Super Bowl contender, but look at the Browns after, you know, after 2019, they were coming off of a disastrous six and 10 season with with Freddie Kitchens and someone could have looked at the Browns that exact same way that people are looking at the Cardinals now and it was almost you know a 180 overnight where the Browns became you know legitimate contenders for the Super Bowl in 2020 yeah. like we're looking at that game against Kansas City and saying well if this hadn't happened if this hadn't happened the Browns would have been playing you know the like they they would have gotten farther so I hesitate to make fun of Arizona for not being a Super Bowl team because the Browns were kind of in a similar position. Although to be fair, the Browns weren't, or the, the Cardinals aren't, you know, changing their head coach and their GM. So there's also yeah. that, but. I think it comes down to whether or not you think Kyler Murray is the guy. Yeah. I don't know. I'm personally, I'm not sold on him completely yet. I think I can go either way on him right now. Um, but you know, if, if JJ Watt thinks that this is the guy that he wants to go all in with, cool. Like I don't fault him and I'm actually happy. That, I'm happy that it's over. I have, I'm happy they didn't overpay for him. I'm happy with the other options available that I think yeah. that the Browns are eventually going to end up with one of them. I have a feeling that Andrew Barry is going to be very aggressive during free agency. Mm-hmm. Cause like right now, when everyone talks about the draft they're saying draft a linebacker draft a safety Mm -hmm. draft an edge rusher this is what the defense needs blah 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 there could be a very real possibility that by the time free agency ends and we get to the draft the browns may not actually need to draft a defensive player anymore okay i'm glad that you're talking about this meredith because i actually want to go into this question um in free agency what do you guys think is the biggest positional need and how should it be addressed like free agency or the draft because i'm kind of with you meredith like my head's starting to spin in a sense of, I actually don't know if we're going to draft a lot of defense in the draft, because I think there's a ton of talent on the free agent market. And I think Andrew Barry could have a field day with some names that are out there that could be very good fits on the Cleveland Browns team. And Brittany, just from a defensive end standpoint, you listed a lot of them that could make perfect sense in Cleveland. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as far as the draft goes, um, obviously safety needs to be taken care of (laughs) safety and linebacker like those are things that you just got to do um i don't know if they're going to get him through free agency or through the draft um i would hate to see him overspend on free agents if there's somebody that that he really believes in in the draft that you know is available second or third round um again andrew barry is a very smart guy i trust that he knows what he's doing fully so anything that he does i'm like okay i will tried to see this as a glass half full type thing um but yeah that that defense man (laughs) like I think you could just pick a you could pick any position really and be like okay we can have cornerback like they're gonna I know Greedy's coming back which is great um you, you have Denzel Ward but you can always add depth to that so I there's just infinite possibilities ladies yeah, I, I think I would much rather them address the defensive needs as much as they can during free agency, because with the draft, it's always a crapshoot. Like you could get someone who is 
uh, highly rated prospect coming out of high school and, you know, put up record setting numbers in college, whether it's at a place like Ohio State or Alabama or Clemson or any one of the, the top teams in the country, like you can look at that. But the, you know, the way someone performs in high school isn't necessarily indicative of how they'll do in college and, and then, you know, the NFL after that. So it's always a, the draft is always a risk. Um, you could always wind up with a bust. I think with addressing these defensive needs in free agency, Andrew Barry and the Browns know what they're getting. They know what that person is capable of in the NFL on the professional level. And they know what to expect. Whereas like we were all fans of greedy Williams. Sure. But we don't know what he's capable of. We were so excited and for Delpit Grant Delpit. Yeah, yeah. We were so excited for Grant Delpit last year, but we still don't know what he can do because he was, he's been out with an injury all year. So I think getting veterans in the defense, and then those are the type of guys that people like greedy and Delpit can look up to and sort of train up. And then maybe they do look at that wide receiver room in the draft. I think addressing the defense during free agency is probably, that's probably the move to make, especially since the Browns have a, have the most cap space of any team right now. I don't know if they're like have the most, most, but they're really, really comfortable with their cap room at the moment. I um, would have to say, I, I think the biggest thing they need to address is getting someone opposite of miles which I think is why the idea of JJ Watt was enticing to a lot of Browns mm-hmm. fans. Um, I really like Carl Lawson, Brittany, you had him on your list place for the Bengals. Yeah. I can't imagine them not signing him or locking him up, but if they don't, I would love for him to be someone that the Browns go after. I mean, he's younger, he has a ton of potential and I think he could just be a, another really good threat on the opposite side of Miles Garrett. Unfortunately, with Olivier Vernon coming off of the injury, I just don't see them extending the Browns extending him, which really stinks given his productivity at the back half of the year. But I think the other place that doesn't get talked about enough is cornerback. I mean, I know we just yeah. mentioned Greedy Williams. There was a great article about him, I think, from Mary Kay this past week, talking about just the um, shoulder injury and how the Browns were just unsure. And he was unsure if he was ever going to get back to being 100% back to healthy with that nerve injury. And so that is the place where it felt like, you know, Denzel has had injuries. He missed games this past season too, because of COVID. That seems to be a place where we just need depth. And I wouldn't mind going out there and signing some veteran depth, someone that you can count on, you can rely on, um, because that's a place where you definitely want to make sure you have yourself covered, um, especially with the offenses we're going to face next year. Um, Maybe I'll do deep dive into cornerbacks. I think you should. Ooh, I, I, yeah. I think that's a good one to take a look at. It's not, it's not yeah. talked about enough, in my opinion. You know, you, you see it's a lot not. of talk about the the defensive end and the wide receiver fights happening with, is Jarvis worth it? Um, yes. <laughs> and I want to mm-hmm. flip back to another group that got talked a lot about last week. Um, and that's the tight end room. And Brittany, you actually did another article about the tight ends. And it's so funny because the reason that this only ever became a thing was because Kyle Rudolph is no longer with the Vikings. And yeah. it's just with Browns fans, anything, <laughs> any person that is linked to Kevin Stefanski, it's automatically like the Browns need to sign him. Catnip, man. I mean, they if you want to focus on a Viking that the Browns need to sign, like maybe it should be. Harris, the safety, because that's a bigger need for us. 
than Kyle Rudolph. I mean, come on. (laughs) Right. And, you know, between there was like a a perfect storm of things last week. So Njoku was like cryptic tweeting. And then, you know, Rudolph, he'd like to reunite. And then, you know, fans decided that they were going to go all out war on which camp they're they're planting their flags in and who is better and who stinks and who can't block and who can't catch and who fumbles it was a disaster <laughs> so what I did, it really was and there was no reason for it because one guy said one thing and dave Njoku, who you know he pretty routinely cryptic tweets this is something that he's just been doing for years um, it was just it was a, a trifecta of crap that happened last week that just led to people battling over tight ends, which is never really a story. So <laughs> and you know me, like I love fullbacks and I love tight ends. So when this became the story, I was like, oh yes, let's look at it deeper. So what I did, I put together just I, I like to call it like an information dump. So I think sometimes you know, when we believe in one specific player, we don't see the validity of the other ones that yes. are not competing, but like, you know, they play the same position. So, you know, we have uh, Harrison Bryant fans who are just like, oh, I, I ride and die with him. Everyone else could get lost and, you know, whatever. <laughs> then you have Dave Njoku, you know, fans, and they're like, oh, I'm riding with David till the wheels fall off. And so I just wanted to to look at all the and I added Rudolph in the mix too just to see his numbers and how they uh, stacked up against the three tight ends that we already have. Um, so I did, you know, each of their individual stats from last season. But I also did, you know, at the end I did most and least. So one thing and one of my favorite things about doing things like this is that I learn new information while I'm doing it. So. What I thought might have been true at some point, maybe really wasn't. So, like, I, I thought that, um, by the way people talk, I thought that Njoku might have had more drops than he did last season, which just isn't true. Like, um, hold on, let me find it. He had, where is he at? Let me read you his numbers. All right. Longest reception, 28 yards. Yards after catch, which, Bree, I know that you put a lot of value in yards after catch. That's a good one. (laughs) Um, 4.6 yards, two touchdowns, zero fumbles, first downs 13. Um, Catching percentage, 65.5, which was a career high. And another thing that was kind of shocking, he only played, like, of the three tight ends, he had 361 snaps, which was only 36% of snaps last year, which I, that didn't sit well with me. <laughs> and I'm not questioning Stefanski or the offense or anything, but that was just something that didn't, I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. But um, yeah, but, but comparison, Harrison Bryant got like a lot, right? Yeah, like 500 and some. Yeah. And then Hooper obviously had the most. He had like 600 and some. And Njoku, now I find it. He only had one drop last, last season, one drop. Which you'd think the way people talk about him that he dropped like every game. Yeah, because people can't obviously see that people improve. Like that I mean, that's the right. same it's the same perception of Baker Mayfield if you don't watch him. You know, like it's yes. just it's easy to automatically say, Well, Baker Mayfield sucks as a quarterback. His yes. he, his completion percentage sucks. He's a horrible quarter. I mean, yeah. and they're looking at two games where the winds were fifty miles per hour and it rained the entire time. Like you have those sure. things like mudding up stats. It's just people are lazy. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of things to look at when you're talking about tight ends, and this was just an offensive breakdown. So, of course, you got to, you know, bring in the fact how well did they block? Like, what what else do they contribute? Um, and I didn't get into all of that. But, you know, you had the most snap, Hooper had 630, Njoku 361. Highest PFF grade was Hooper, 68.3. Uh, lowest was Bryant, 60.7. Bryant actually had a worse year than I thought he did. Um Hooper was, I was looking at his numbers, I was like, this is pretty much exactly what I thought it was, which it felt to me, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'll ask you, did you think that he underperformed last season? Yes. Mm -hmm. I think for what we're we're paying, yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think people also have, like, revisionist history a little bit. Like, if a player doesn't do something that they like in the offseason, like, say someone gets annoyed with Najoku's cryptic tweets. And then all of a sudden there's, you know, rumors that the Browns could be looking to ship him off somewhere. Everyone's like, oh yeah, he sucks. Get rid of him. Like, it's like they completely forgot everything that happened last season. Like there's just like this strange revisionist history of, oh yeah, well, we never needed him any. Well, no, yeah, yes, we did. We absolutely did. And he, and according to the numbers, if you're just looking at straight up stats, you know, he wasn't awful. Like he definitely didn't do a terrible job last year. So I just, I don't understand where this like sudden Najoku dislike came from. Like it just made, it feels like it came out of nowhere. Well, and one of the things that, you know, we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, number one, I think that some people forget that Najoku is only 25 years old. Like he's mm-hmm. only 25 years old. He's not like, you know, 30, 31, 32. He's been around a long time. And, you know, in Brown's years, that feels like a very long <laughs> time. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's he's been there. As we talked about earlier, he's seen, like, the darkest days. So when it comes to, like, people are like, well, you know, which one do you like the most? And I'm still going to stick with Njoku just because there's still that upside. He did have, even though he didn't play as much last year as he has in previous, well, not under Freddie because Freddie seemed to have, like, some weird disdain for him, which I never understood, but um, he hasn't played as much, but for the amount of snaps that he took, the amount of time that he was on the field, he was a contributor. He didn't drop that much. You know, uh, he, he came through in the playoffs, which was, you know, big. Um, so I, I, I think I would stick it out with him. He is set to make, I think 6 million this season. And again, like, you know, they don't owe Najoku anything. Najoku doesn't owe them anything. The NFL is a business. You know, the Cleveland Browns are a business. So all that sentimental stuff that that I talk about means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. But I do hope that they keep him around because, again, I would like to see him experience some winning in Cleveland rather than the the years of losing and hard times. And I, I feel like last season he sort of – rubbed fans the wrong way when he started the cryptic tweets but I encourage people to try and put yourself in his shoes for a little bit because I can't imagine that it's super easy you know when they drafted a tight end and they signed Hooper to a a big deal I as a human being imagine if that were you at your job and you're seeing the place where you work bring in people all around you and you sort of get pushed to the background you who have been there for years is now, you know, falling down the chart. And it's like, you know, as, as just as a human being, how would you feel if that happened? So if he sends out cryptic tweets every once in a while, okay. Like he's just, 
he's a person. Athletes are people first yeah. and they have feelings too. And, you know, I just hope that they keep them. Yeah. Well, the other thing about that too, that, that you brought up is like, not only were they bringing people that did his same job, but like he was also drafted by a team and a group of people that are no longer in the organization. Uh-huh. So like mm-hmm. it's, it's that coupled along with, well, do they even want me? I mean, you start to question, yeah. what am I even doing here? Am I even valuable? Like that, like all the mental aspect of what weighs on these players. Like I, I can't even imagine. And people act like they're just robots that don't think about these things, don't care about these things. Um, But I think the other piece too is we talk about this a lot with Baker Mayfield and going through the multiple coaching changes, multiple playbooks. Well, David Njoku and Hollywood Higgins are two other players that have had to go through the same thing, like learning new playbooks every single year, um, learning different language, um, doing all of this stuff again, like they Mm -hmm. have to, it's exhausting. I mean, that mentally, like the preparation, you know, like to them, it's probably not even that big of a deal to go to a new team because they're so used to just relearning things. Now, maybe this year would be different um, because it would be a consecutive um, season playing under the same coaching staff, same playbook. Like that may be a reason to stay, you know, Mm -hmm. like don't have to worry about that. Yeah. And imagine how it felt for both Higgins and Njoku because it was both of them specifically back with when Freddie Kedges yep. was the coach where week after week, people would be like, why aren't you playing Higgins? Why aren't you playing Njoku? And they weren't hurt. They came back from injury, whatever injuries they had. Uh, they were active. They were ready to go. And they would ask him and, and he would just never give an answer. I don't even know if they knew why they weren't playing, but like, I would take that personally. Like, okay, mm-hmm. like, I guess I'm just not good enough. And that sits, it, it resonates in your head and you, you start to question your abilities and, like, again, they are people first and professional athletes second. Like, this is all normal human behavior that they're, that they're experiencing. So, All right. So we're going to wrap up Brown's chat. We have a couple of uh, two more things to talk about. One of them is semi-Brown's related. But I don't know if you guys saw um, the other thing floating around the Internet yesterday was apparently the uniforms this year, the throwback uniforms, got leaked. They were these all white beauties with these big block orange and brown shadow box lettering is how I described it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like one to get all excited about uniforms. Like we've talked about this before. I'm not like going crazy over uniforms. Like our uniforms are great. I love them. I love the classic throwback, but like these ones, these ones made me stop and be like, okay, I can see what the hype is about these. I love the all white with, with the let with the numbers. Yeah. They were pretty fire. I was a fan. But like, why were they hanging on a plastic hanger? It looked like an eBay listing, you know, like, like you're going to buy this from, I don't, I don't know. Um, from Rob's big Cleveland finds, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, cause one of the, cause I know one of the discussions that is circling, cause I know the Browns aren't the only ones that leaked. Cause I believe uh, yeah, the they were like leaked as well. Going around a bunch mm. of different teams that I saw. Yeah. So one of the questions that came up is, are these legitimate? Like, are these the actual uniforms or is this just a fan imagined design. I mean, and it does look legit. Um, there could be, I mean, the reason it could be on plastic hangers is maybe they just haven't gotten, you know, whatever mannequin or model that they put them on to, to do the professional, you know, press release photo shoots for. So, I mean, cause that would have been a true leak if someone, you know, went into the closet with their camera phone, snapped a picture of them when they're on their hangers. So, I mean, I would say that just because they're on a hanger doesn't necessarily mean that it, it is that it's fake. Um, 
I've heard a few people say that they think it's really that, that that's it. Like that that's accurate. That's a real leak. Um, I hope that it is like, I know it sucks that, uh, the NFL was trying to save this big reveal and it got kind of ruined, but based on what they look like, I really hope that's that those are what the jerseys are. I saw someone say they look like uh, they were, they could find that at Burlington under the, FUBU, <laughs> under the FUBU rack. And I can't get that out of my head now. Which, by the way, how dare you hate on Burlington? Burlington is like the Bloomingdale's of Niles, Ohio. How dare you? There was one time, and I still to this day regret not picking it up, but at TJ Maxx, I saw it. But it was like a quadruple extra large. It was like the absolute largest size in existence i think for one of those unisex t-shirts but i saw deshaun kaiser shirt at tj maxx for like three and a half dollars and i wanted to buy it for britney but like i said like you could literally fit seven of you in there it was so it. big i would have worn it to, sh- to sleep every day i know sexy lingerie <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> today one of my one of my biggest regrets is not picking up that three dollar deshaun kaiser shirt i saw at tj maxx <laughs> Like, oh, hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I like the finds at Gabriel Gabriel Brothers is like one of my favorite places too and like scavenge I mean like if you think Burlington is bad like Gabe's is like a whole other level of love um, Burlington is beautiful I don't know what people <laughs> are talking about like they have everything so I don't think these exist in Ohio I know they exist in New York and DC but they're a place it's called Lomans and it's very similar to like Burlington or Nordstrom Rack or something like that. And Lomans, you guys, if we ever wind up taking a trip to New York or DC for whatever reason, plan out at least half your day because it is going to be a trip and it is going to be incredible. You're going to say Burlington who? Oh, I can't wait. Telling you. Also, have you guys ever been to a Ross's? I've seen them. I think I went in them like once or twice, but I just, uh, Man, I think the shelf, the shelves were a little too, uh, unorganized for me. Oh, I got it's a little, a, it's a nightmare. In yeah. There. Like it's bad, but also I love it in a weird way. It smells weird. And like, you'll see <laughs> the weirdest people ever in there, I, but it's, it's fun. It's my anxiety, time. like my anxiety went up a little too high one time when I went to Ross, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That you Listen, that's just part of the experience, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> just take your blood pressure medicine beforehand. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap up Brown's trap with, I mean, aliens, because why not? So <laughs> this was obviously um, trending last week um, and we didn't have a show last week, but Baker Mayfield and his wife, Emily, took to Twitter to say that they saw a UFO when they were driving home from dinner as they were driving home from dinner, they saw something light up in the sky and go directly into the lake. So speculation swirled from this point on, conspiracy theory theorists unite. And we're gonna talk about aliens. Yes. I'm gonna mute my mic for a little bit. I'm gonna let you guys guys have this one. Um, I I just have to point out though, that like the ridiculousness of this entire conversation really came to a halt when Colin Coward like did the whole bit about his like the quarterback and aliens and Tom Brady would never I was like is this Sir Yacht dressed off as Colin Coward because (laughs) honest to god I was like this like somebody like this is this is not this cannot be real my favorite thing and I have never been a Tom Brady fan but then he tweeted 
And I know on this podcast before I've come on and I said that I think Tom Brady hires someone to do his social media. I don't think this was a hired person. I think this was Tom Brady himself. He quote tweeted Colin Cowherd's uh, video rant about Baker and the aliens. And he said, how do you know I've never seen aliens, Colin? And I was I like, oh, fine, fine. Okay, fine. You got me. Hashtag TB12. Let's go. Listen, I mean, is Tom Brady, Brady an alien though? Because like, that's what I was thinking. I mean, I mean you, you guys have what? clearly rubbed off on me because I was like, I mean, he might have injected himself with alien stuff. Aren't we Listen. all kind of aliens though, if you think about <laughs> yes. it? So, I mean, well, like, let's, <laughs> let's think about this. Let's deep here. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, let's <laughs> think about this logically. Like there is scientific evidence that there is, there are more planets and stars in the sky than there are grains of sand just on planet earth. Now, if you look at the vast amount of celestial places, you cannot in your wildest dreams, look up at the night sky and say, yeah, this is the only place that life exists. No, absolutely not. The universe is way too big and way too massive and just way too crowded. And it's expanding every single day. Not a chance. We are not the only life that exists. Like there's just absolutely not. No. You guys want to hear a crazy story? Yes. Okay. So it's not exactly about aliens, but it is about like the potential of the government knowing something and covering it up. Mm-hmm. I know someone who was taken away by men in suits. Really? Are you ready, are you ready for this? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Do I need to get my popcorn? I'm so actually, Buckle no, I won't. it's too, it's too crunchy, but I'm excited. Buckle up. So my bro, uh, what if they take me away for telling this story? <laughs> <laughs> Do they listen to that's what B said? I don't know. Listen, aliens, like, listen I found out that I had a mic in my car and I haven't been the same okay. since. <laughs> so now I'm a little paranoid about everything. I mean, listen, we know for a fact that our phones are listening to us, our computers are listening to us. That's why I just want to throw it out the window. Okay, listen, this is the story. So my brother was living um, on the ECU campus down in North Carolina, and he was living with this super bright guy. His name was Stefan, okay? So the one day, my brother, like, he hears something pounding. So he goes to open his door, and there was a chair like propped up against his, his door. So when he opened it, it fell into the, his room. So he's like, what the hell? So he goes down the, the hall and he sees, you know, which of his roommates are home. And he, he sees Stefan in his room. He's like, hey, Stefan, what's going on? And he looks real worried. So he like turns, he's like, oh yeah, nothing. Uh, just uh, just looking at something. So he said he was sitting in his bed and he, he was like sweating. He looked like he was really upset about something. He's like, okay. So then, you know, he goes in his room and then the power goes out. It's like, boom, and everything's off. So then he's like, what the hell? So he gets out of his bed again and he opens the door and the chair falls in his room again. And he's like, Stefan, like, what are you doing? He's like, I didn't do anything. I didn't, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do anything. He's like, well, the power's out. Like, what's going on? He's like, man, I don't know. I didn't, it just, it just went out. He's like, okay. So then again, he goes in his room power comes back on goes back out again so he's like what the hell's happening so he never got an answer but he lived with a football player. <laughs> this story's so weird he lived with a football player for ECU his name was Quentin Cotton Quentin Cotton is a big player in this so he, my brother goes to work one day and he comes home all of Stefan's stuff is cleared out of his room 
And my brother's like, Quentin. So what happened to Stefan? And he's like, man, he was talking about like finding wormholes and all this, you know, space stuff that nobody understood. So, you know, we thought he was like going crazy. So we called his parents who were like, you know, a couple states away and they drove in and they like talked to him and he's like, and then dude, these guys in suits came. So I don't know who they were, but they came and they took all of his stuff and he's just gone now. So guys, you tell me that they don't, they're not onto us. Something happened. That man, Stefan, he found a way to get into wormholes and NASA found out and they canceled him. No one's heard from Stefan since. It's like he just disappeared forever. Stefan doesn't the have grid. a Facebook or a Twitter page? No, he's gone. Like, have you tried Googling gone. him lately? Do we need to get FBI on, on the case? <laughs> I have. There was a point in time, like when he lived with my brother, that we were Facebook friends. Like I, I met him before. He's a really nice guy. And then he, just, he was just gone. No one's ever heard. He's just disappeared. So don't call me crazy, guys. <laughs> they are listening to everything. They know. They so, can... I don't know what, what your brother's roommate stumbled upon, but this is kind of a, a theory wormhole. that possibly time Um, travel no big deal (laughs) darkest timeline Um, (laughs) but this is kind of an idea that I've sort of been tossing around and you guys know it because I showed it to you Uh, someone slid into my dms about aliens recently and then I think I got a little too alien because then he stopped responding (laughs) but someone somewhere has to be the first life in the universe. So I'm almost wondering like, what if us on earth, like what if, what if we are the first advanced life forms in the universe? And maybe the reason why we haven't had contact from other life on other planets and other galaxies or whatever is because the life that's elsewhere isn't as far along as we are. So maybe, maybe in a thousand years, 2000 years, 5,000 years, whatever, our technology will improve to the point where we can travel very long distances in short amount of times and then we start exploring other planets and then to those planets were the aliens like were the advanced light forms coming down and visiting yeah but on the flip side of that too have you ever seen mothman prophecies i don't think so okay uh it's a really good movie richard gear if you haven't watched it you guys gotta watch it but he goes to talk to this like author who's all he wrote a bunch of books on like uh aliens and and all that stuff and Richard Gere question. He's like, you know, why won't they, um, like, why won't they communicate with us if they're here and, you know, they, they want something. Why can't, why can't they just talk to us? Why won't they just, you know, tell us? And he said, um, you know, basically saying that aliens were like so far above us. He's like, I mean, you've seen a cockroach before. Have you ever tried to talk to a cockroach like, and tell him why you're here? So, Really, I think that we're the stupid ones. We're the <laughs> ones who are under, we are the cockroaches in this scenario. And the aliens are so above us that like trying to talk to us would be like us trying to talk to a cockroach. Like they just wouldn't get it, you know? That's also a possibility. If you have the time, there's a um, a serial, it was a fictional serial podcast that I listened to for a little bit. It's like 10 episodes. It's called um, The Message. Mm-hmm. And it's about 
this um, guy in like the 1950s or something who recorded this message and they discovered 50 years later that it was actually like extraterrestrial communication. So they get every linguistic person on the planet together to okay. try and de like decipher this message. But anytime someone listens to the message, they get really, really sick. So that's like the whole premise of the, like, like I said, it's a fictional podcast, but it's a really, really cool concept. It's, you know, it's a finite series. It's like 10, nine or 10 episodes or something like that. So if you've got a few hours where you're just like, I want to listen to a really cool science fiction thing, this is it. But the way they presented it makes it sound like it's totally possible and very real. Mm. So highly recommend. I hope it still exists because I know the company that put it out, um, it came out like five or six years ago, maybe. Um, I don't think the company that put it out still exists, but yeah. Like I am I, like poor Bree. She's had her mic like muted this whole time because <laughs> I have like, a lot of work to just... do. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I will say I have nothing to add from an alien standpoint. I will just say that I was on TikTok I don't, maybe a week ago or so. And it, I wasn't on alien TikTok, but someone posted this video of like, did you ever realize how deep the ocean is? Okay. And then like it showed in this video I don't know, like a submarine just like going down, 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 down. And it like kept going down. And it was like, this is the deepest that fish can swim. This is the deepest sharks can swim. This is the point where um, you stop seeing light. And then it like kept going down, 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 like into this darkness. And it was like, do we really think that nothing else exists in the ocean outside of just fish? And then I was like, yeah. wow, there's yeah. probably no. mermaids. The and ocean, like the ocean is, the ocean is terrifying yeah and this comes from someone who's in love with the beach and my mom told me yes. when i was little they like my parents could not take their eyes off of me for a split second when i was a child and we were at the beach because the first thing i would do is run straight to the water so like i love the i am a water person i love the beach i love swimming in the ocean but i'm going to stay like within eyesight of the shore because yeah if you because yeah. i think there's like also a point in the ocean where you get so deep that even humans can't go that low because the pressure is too great. Like it'll like crush your, oh, yeah. your skull yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so it's, it's just crazy because it's not only space. It's like, I mean, it's the ocean. Yeah. I mean, it's on just, it's, I, like, I can't, I can't, I can't, yeah, I, I can't, I can't think about this. I really can't think about this. Um, all right. Well, we, we believe, we believe. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't believe. I just, I don't think about it often. See, Maybe. now you guys know why I don't smoke, smoke marijuana. Because <laughs> I would get lost in my own mind every day. Like, I would never find my way out of my head. Um, you would make some great TikToks, though. I, the other day we were at dinner. I'll tell you this quick story real fast. We were at dinner, me and Danny, and we were at Barrio, and we are just sitting there eating our, you know, I was eating a bowl, he was eating tacos. And I was like, Danny, so how do you think kids like learn what's aesthetically pleasing because it seems like we all sort of land on the same area of like what's beautiful and what isn't but where do we learn is that something we learned or is that just like in our brains and he's like Brittany eat your bowl <laughs> <laughs> like we were just trying he was just trying to take me to Cavs game and have a nice night and I'm just like why is the universe like this <laughs> so this is why I don't smoke pot kids yeah <laughs> It could, it could lead you down a dark path if you're not oh, careful. That'd be bad. <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking, go speaking of going down a dark path, we're going to wrap up with some Indians news. Um, if you have not caught up with the Indians, um, recently, Jose Ramirez and Fran Mil Reyes um, violated COVID protocols, and they are missing time with the team. 
Um, Reyes got a haircut on Friday and they then both had dinner together, which violated team protocols. I don't know if it's been announced yet when they're able to join again. Um, but I was a little bit surprised by this because obviously like we are in a time right now where people are getting vaccinated. Things are slowly opening back up. I mean, there are some States that are fully open, maybe never closed. Um, but I was, I was a little bit surprised that these protocols, these strict protocols are still in place, but. I wanted to ask you guys, like, what is more surprising to you? These protocols still existing in the MOB or the fact that the Indians haven't spoken about all of the Mickey Calloway stuff and Tito still has his job. I'm going to duck and walk away. Well, firstly, let's, let's start with the COVID stuff. Um, I think that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are perfect examples of why these protocols still exist because they got haircuts and then they didn't get to play in the all-star game because the barber apparently had COVID when he gave them their haircuts. So, you know, those, those policies exist for a reason. I think what I was surprised by when I heard the news of uh, Fran Mel and Jose was that they didn't realize that that was a violation. Like, like how did you not know that it was going to be a problem for you to go to a public barber in a public barber shop and then go get food at a public restaurant indoors like we're a year into this thing like they should know better by now and plus like major league baseball had very strict protocols last year and i I don't know say this isn't their first rodeo yeah and i don't and i don't know i mean and this isn't Fran mill's first offense either he was caught on a boat at a fourth of july party last summer you know yeah i i can't remember if we talked about it or not but yeah uh Fran mill was out for a few games. Uh, actually, I don't know if he, cause I can't remember if that's when the season had started or not, but I know he had gotten in trouble last summer because there was photographic evidence of him on a boat party. So I don't know if MLB's policies have changed from last year to this year, but the fact that they went through a full season that was as bubble as you could get in major league baseball, how did they not understand uh, don't go to a restaurant. Don't get your hair cut. And I think, like I said, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are perfect examples of that. Like they had no idea that getting a haircut would cost them an appearance. Yeah. I mean, listen, we kicked off the show talking about how we have two competent franchises uh, in the Cavs and the Browns that have women on their staff in leadership positions. And then I, mean, I don't have... think that's a coincidence that the, the organizations that are well-run also have women in leadership positions. Correct. I don't think there's a coincidence. And as of right now, I'm not saying that everybody is perfect, but as of right now, there are no sexual harassment um, issues that have come up in either of those organizations. And unfortunately for the Indians, this is something that has tarnished them. And quite frankly, to me, it seems like they just want to sweep it under the rug and hope that people forget about it. That's how mm-hmm. I feel as a woman. Um, and it's just, they just want to be focused on baseball. I get it. Totally understand. Baseball is what you do, but you have people employed in that office and in that building who knew what was going on and they all still have jobs yet. None of them want to address anything. And There have also been reports out there that they knew what was going on. So to me, I'm sorry, but that's not acceptable. Take accountability. Everything that happened last week for the Indians is such a bad look. 
the one I one of the reasons the athletic posted that story last week is because it was a follow-up from the first one because they had posted a month ago that you know Mickey Calloway had been sending nudes or sexually explicit messages or making female employees feel uncomfortable and that prompted a suspension uh from the, I believe he's with the Angels um I think um I know it's a team out in California but yeah that prompted a suspension and an investigation uh, at that point, and then Chris Antonetti comes out and says, well, we had no knowledge. We had no idea. That was what he said Convenient. in his press conference in February. And then a month later, that like the article that came out from The Athletic last week was a follow-up. Like It wasn't a new report. It was, okay, well, here's all the evidence that we have gathered that showed that you did know. Um, and then... Yeah. And then, and then the Indians put Tito out to the wolves last week because that article comes out and... Terry Francona does media availability before every game. Like that is something that's regularly scheduled. That's something that's normal. Every skipper does that. Um, and that athletic article happened to be published on a day that there was a game. So there was availability um, for Terry Francona that was supposed to be pregame. Uh, they should have canceled it. I think sending Tito out there by himself without any leadership around him after that kind of story comes out was such a huge mistake on the Indians part. And I think that looks, it's such a bad look. And I don't think they understand how bad of a look that is uh, because then you've got Tito out there who doesn't want to answer questions. Um, and then I guess the next day, Chris Antonetti did come out and say something. And when he was asked directly, do you stand by the statement that you made last month that you had no idea what was going on? His response was, I can't comment right now because of, of the investigation. Mm-hmm. Like what? What? You you made a statement a month ago, and you're claiming that you cannot comment on that statement. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, dude. This isn't like an investigation that's being done by the FBI or the police. It's Major League Baseball doing an internal investigation. And while I understand them not wanting to comment on the specifics of the investigation, that's fine. But someone is just asking you, hey, were you telling the truth a month ago? Do you stand by the statement that you had no idea what was going on? I can't comment. It doesn't help I just who, son I'm getting, him out. Oh, that was Terry Francona's son. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this was Chris Antonetti's comments the day after because I think the Indians realized they made a mistake by putting Tito out there and not canceling his pregame um, availability. But oh, God. just thinking about that gets me so mad. And he was rightfully called out for it by many media members. And I'm very happy that a lot of people noticed the same thing that I did when I heard those comments. Like, come on, dude. Like, were you telling the truth or not? Isn't it interesting, though, that, you know, I don't know, a year ago, the Indians' biggest concern was their name change? Mm. <laughs> like, I, I bet they want to go, I bet they I was gonna go say, back to that right now. And, like, to be quite frank, like, are they actually going to do that? Like, I just don't know if I believe really anything that they're going to say. And the whole Francisco Lindor situation, um, you know, letting him go, letting him walk, I just, like, I don't know. I, I just have like very little faith in this organization to not only like do the right thing, but just the operation itself. I just, I don't think I'd want to be associated with them. It's hard to know what their priorities are at the moment. And that's a problem. Yeah. 
I can't think of the last time the Cleveland Indians did anything that was popular with fans. Can you? Um, they're going to sell problem. Mad Dog at the stadium? But that wasn't even true. <laughs> like, that was, that was the one Wait, thing that was, that a was lie? like... That was a lie. That, so that was a parody what? of the corner bar, and I was oh. so pissed. I was yeah. like, oh, finally, they're doing something good, and the Mad Dog is not even real. They're not doing it. I don't oh even know what God. to believe anymore on the internet because, like... Aliens are more believable than this. Um, I would say the last thing the Indians did that sat well with fans, and I don't know if this is necessarily the Indians themselves or just Major League Baseball as a whole, but uh, when the All-Star Game was here in mm. 2019, that was an excellent weekend. I think Cleveland did a phenomenal job hosting. I think yeah. the city did an incredible job displaying what we have to offer. Gosh, so, that was so long. It feels like yeah. so long ago. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, I don't know if that's necessarily an Indians thing or like a major league baseball slash city of Cleveland thing, but that's the last time I really remember like a lot of excitement surrounding the team. And then also in 2017, they had that 22 game win streak, which, but I mean, again, that was the team doing something good it wasn't the organization even, themselves yeah even during those times like i remember in, i think it was 2018 2019 um the indians would have like these season ticket holder events and then like they'd cancel them and not reschedule so the season ticket holders had to miss out on these things or they'd you know charge so much more extra dollars for the seats per- so like as far as like season ticket holders they've been like having terrible PR for years now, like this just keeps going back. I know uh, previous season ticket holders who no longer have tickets with, with the team anymore because they just got so tired of feeling left out of things. Um, but as, as far as, you know, the whole Mickey Calloway situation and I, I can't, I was so disappointed hearing that and you know, when we say, oh, they threw, they threw Francona to the wolves. I agree with that to an extent. I do believe that they should have had like a, a press conference with all of them there. Well, mm-hmm. Antonetti, Francona, Dolan, like just sitting there saying, yes. even if the, the best thing you could, you can muster up at that time is we take this seriously We're it's under investigation. You know, this is not a situation that we take lightly and we apologize. Like, just something, even if it's just a little, little something to let people know that this is not okay. They completely dropped the ball on that. You know, Frank Cohen went out there, said, I'm not talking about it. It's under investigation. There's just, there were so many different ways that that could have been handled and they picked the wrong way again. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a constant theme with this team. There are different avenues that they can choose to go and, and they always get it wrong and that's what bugs me about this team and even worse that i found not more disappointing but on the same level were the fans who were backing this mm-hmm. yeah. who were saying well you know it wasn't as bad as people think it was and it was just you know some some woman having an affair on her husband and the husband got mad and blah 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 it's not just that I know women personally who have received DMs from these people on LinkedIn, which is a professional business thing. I know, I know it's, it's a very, it's, it's not a well-kept secret around Cleveland. Like this stuff happens. Inappropriate things happen with this team. 
And you could choose to say, oh, well, I don't believe it. Or, you know, there's two sides of every story. Cool. But that doesn't make it any less valid. These people have no business doing these things. And they need to be held accountable. And I don't think that's wrong for us to say as fans. We want our professional sports teams to hold themselves to a higher standard. I completely agree. I know. I completely agree. Um, And for the people who are saying that it's not that bad is absolutely infuriating because even the smallest amount of toxicity in the workplace, like forget it being baseball, wherever, whether it's an office or if you work in a store or a hotel or a restaurant, it doesn't matter if someone is doing something to another employee that makes them uncomfortable in the workplace, it doesn't matter whether they're doing it to one people, to 10 people, or 100 people. One person is too many. Yes. That's something that should absolutely never happen under any circumstances, period. And the people who do think it's okay to act like that need to be held accountable. And the people who defend the men that do that, and I'm, I won't, I'll, I'll include women because women are just as capable of sexual harassment as men are. The people who do defend those people need to take a hard look in the mirror because it is absolutely mind boggling to me that someone would actually go out of their way to defend a person who sends messages, pictures, says things, does things, whatever, to make other people uncomfortable in the workplace. It's just, it's vile. And I don't understand how people are still defending that kind of thing. And I'm not talking about just the Indians or Mickey Calloway. I'm just talking about everywhere because this type of thing happens to women and men everywhere. Yeah. And shame on the people, you know, it's what Mickey Calloway, you know, He's now, I don't like the term canceled, but, you know, as far as like he, as much as he could be, I think he will be. Um, but the people who are in charge of this, you know, Antonetti, Dolan, Francona, people who knew and didn't say anything, that drives me crazy. You are in a position where you're supposed to hold people accountable. When they do wrong, you have to punish. That's the way of the world. And until you do that, nothing changes. So you're just saying, okay, what the behavior that you're displaying is accepted. And that is completely unacceptable, completely. I don't respect people who don't hold others accountable when you're supposed to. That's part of your job. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why it's multiple teams across multiple cities is because nobody ever held Mickey Calloway accountable for his actions yes. ever. And look what happened. Like it just exploded. And he thought that if you don't teach people, you got to tell people you cannot act this way. You cannot treat people this way. This is not acceptable in a workplace. And if they can't abide by that, they're gone. And make sure you tell everyone why they're gone. Because yeah, then and things like this won't happen. By the way, like this is why it takes a lot for women or people to come forward because things like this and men like this get away with it. Yeah. Like, yes. Because like when you do come forward, you're not taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and like that, like that, that is a punch in the gut right there. It's not just not being taken seriously. It's that women lose opportunities yeah. when they come forward and attach their names to things because mm-hmm. they're, they're not 
seen as valuable. Yeah. Or and they're that's just what shamed. Happens. They're shamed regardless though. It doesn't matter yeah. because like no yeah. one believes them, you know, like everyone is so quick to say like guilty until, or innocent until proven guilty. Well, no, like that is actually very offensive for someone that has experienced sexual harassment or worse sexual abuse or sexual assault. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And and then, yeah, and then a woman can get blacklisted within an industry because they don't like whoever she's applying with says, well, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. What's well, yeah. that? Um, but I do, I do want to touch on Nick Francona's tweet for just a second um, mm -hmm. because he did, I'm not going to read the whole thing because I know it's out there, but he put out a very, very lengthy statement on how he's tried to talk to his father, Terry, how, what he's said and done to try and combat um, violence and harassment towards women. And the reason I want to bring up his tweet is because that is how you show that you're an ally to women. That is true allyship right there. Um, being an ally and supporting women doesn't mean, well, I'm okay with women in the workplace. I'm okay with women in sports. That's not enough. That yeah. is not enough. You need to go to the people that you see in your life, whether it's your father, your brother, son, cousin, best friend, whatever. If you see them doing things, saying things, acting out of line, you need to say something to them and tell them why what they're doing is wrong and have a conversation with them about why they need to change their behavior. And based on Nick Francona's tweet, that sounds like that's exactly what he did. That is how you be a true ally to women. Like it's one thing to say you support women. It's another thing to do things to support women. And Nick Francona went out of his way to try and support women. So this is just, this is a message for everyone. And this also goes for a situation of race too. Cause I've heard this as well from, from the black community is, you know, being just not being racist isn't enough. You need to be actively anti-racist in order to help bring equality. And so it's the same thing with this. You need to actively do things to support women. And that's the only way that we can really fight these things in addition to holding them accountable. So if you haven't seen Nick Francona's tweet, go back and read it and read it carefully. Because like I said, that is what a true ally looks like. And I commend Nick because I know releasing a statement like that is not easy at all, especially since he has said he's tried to address this in private. And he felt the need to come out publicly and say it like that takes a lot of heart and a lot of courage. So just, I want to give props to Nick Francona for being a true ally. Yeah, yes. not easy. All right, ladies. Well, we will wrap up on this international women's day. We had a wonderful show again. Um, we mentioned as we kicked off the show, we had a chance to speak with Kelly Brownson from the Browns. Um, that episode will be, released separately so please be sure to check that out we loved speaking with her um and we hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as well um sorry we missed you all last week but we will be back next week to chat more it'll be hopefully exciting with free agency kicking off and i don't know we'll see what else happens maybe <laughs> aliens maybe mermaids yes. i don't know there's aliens. always aliens <laughs> aliens <laughs> thank you all for your continued support don't forget to download us on your listening platform and rate and review us we appreciate it bye guys